Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be taking a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's Beef Watch Podcast is a producer's perspective, and I have the privilege of being joined by Harold Johnson, who's part of a family ranch operation located southeast of Hyannis, Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today, Harold. You're entirely welcome. Harold, before we talk about the different enterprises that are part of your operation there, share with us a little more about the history of the ranch there yourself and how you got to where you are today. Hey, we're we're on the ranch southeast of Hyannis, and my wife was born and raised here. Her her dad settled, her her grandpa, I believe it was, settled here in the late 1800s. From the ranch has seen several changes. It's been split up a little due to to family situations and whatnot and we married i married my wife and we decided to make the move back to nebraska and we're working for a neighbor and then my wife's brother had an accident and so long story short we moved over here and he took his part and so we're on about a third of what the originals was we uh Ran uh, black Angus cows for start with, and then things just kind of get tighter and tighter. It seems like, and my wife took a town job, and and we're just we're looking for more ways to provide revenue without laying out a bunch of capital, which we just we just don't have. Talk about the different enterprises that are part of the operation there now. Uh, I know you've got cow calf. How does that work from a marketing standpoint? Do you put up any hay? Uh, I also know we're going to talk more about your goat enterprise, but just share a little more about the different pieces that are part of the operation. We do a cow-calf deal, and we were raising our own replacements and whatnot for quite a few years. And then we got into the bread heifer deal and started just buying heifers and selling bread heifers. So when heifer calves hit $1,800 a head, I kind of decided I didn't want to play that game anymore. So we went, we ended up keeping a bunch of the bred heifers that we were going to sell. And we went back to the cow-calf deal and try and increase income with, you know, without laying out more capital. We've switched to a late calving situation. We start calving about middle of April, and then we went to a terminal cross. So we're basically raising the same pounds of beef as what we were earlier when we were calving starting the first of March. And now a month and a half later, we've cut our hay that we feed by almost 50%. And, and we do put up our own hay. It's all native meadow hay. And the last few years has been less of it just because of our high water situation here. I think that kind of explains that, that part of it. You mentioned you're going to a terminal system or have gone to a terminal system now. Are you still raising some of your own replacements or are you buying those in? What does that look like? No, we're we're buying our replacements, bread heifers. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a biggest challenge to the terminal deal because you can't always just find the animals that you want to fit into your, your calving program. So we usually end up calving some heifers a little earlier. But then the the main cow herd, we just, we pasture calve them. So when it gets dark, I go to bed and I look at them when it gets daylight. 
talk a little more about the marketing side of that. Are you marketing all the calves at weaning? Are you backgrounding them through the winter some? How does that look? The last last few years, we've just been going right at weaning time because where we're calving later, we don't we wean about the end of November, and so we just wean off truck. We might. I've I've been thinking about just going ahead and rounding some before. We used to previously we always weaned for forty five days. I just it just doesn't look to me like weaning and backgrounding. Couldn't really see where it penciled out. Over the last 15 years, you've kind of made some changes in terms of you've added goats as part of the operation there. Tell them more about how you got involved with having goats as part of the business and what does that look like now? Well, we kind of got into goats by accident. When you have a young daughter that works on bed for a year, you know, for that one goat, well, finally I gave in. And that one was such a pain that he thought he was my buddy all the time. We had to have two, so it had company. And now we're up to about 100, 100 nannies that we're going to be kidding here. We've started kidding some for, to still like 4-H needs and whatnot. And then we'll kid the rest in the middle of May. We'll probably kid about 80 head in May. And my plan is to just pasture kid those. We originally we started out after we started getting into them, we went the 4-H route and we were doing boar goats. And I always thought that wouldn't it be neat just to have 200 head of boar goats out there that all look the same and everything. And but they just they don't work on a commercial basis in my opinion. Um, so we've crossed them with Spanish goats, and so we'll be going good percentage of pure Spanish and some Spanish boar cross. Talk about how you use the goats there in terms of a complement to your cow herd. What do the goats eat? What do you do for fencing? How does that goat enterprise complement what you have with your cow calf? We run the goats basically year round out on pasture. We bring them in and put them in pens uh, for breeding because we like to breed to specific bucks so we get and we're doing that right now it's the main herd um then we'll, we'll go back out to pasture we use our high tensile electric fence system we've got i've got two two goat pastures fenced in that are probably a total of close to 30 40 acres i suppose but in the daytime i will just open the gates and i will let them go through the cow pastures just for the fact that if you see my goat pasture, there's it's all grass, no weeds. And the goats have just selectively done that. So by opening the gates, we let them go out through the cow pastures. And they all, you can just see them. There's some hills south of our goat pasture. And those goats just start working them hills. And they'll just follow the weed line up. And, and pretty soon they'll when they get that kind of cleaned out. They'll move somewhere else. But they like to selectively graze the weeds. They, I've heard people say, well, I don't want a goat eating my grass. Well, they don't eat very much of it. They, I would guess the goat eats probably 20% grass and the rest broadleaf. So when you're talking about weeds, you're talking about things like annual forbs, uh, mare's tails, sunflower, uh, things like that. Is that correct? Yeah. And it, like little blue stem, when that gets coarse and the cows will eat it, it seems like the goats will just will search that stuff out. 
And we had a few soap weeds in the goat pasture, and they they eat them right down to and also and have killed them out. Uh, mare's tail, they they really like to eat. There's there's a few that they don't really care, like gypsum weed. They, I've never really had good luck getting them to eat that. Thistle, they'll eat thistle, and it seems like it's kind of a certain time of the year, but it's. It's hard to judge that one. Just the thistle that we have is in the meadows. We really don't have any in the pastures. And, of course, I don't want them in my meadow when I'm growing hay. Talk a little bit about just you mentioned basically you've got a night penning situation then, I think. So there's times of the year when they're probably locked in those two pastures. But then a lot of the year you're basically using the 30 to 40 acre trap or pasture that you have as kind of a night pasture for having the goats in there. What do you do for predator control? What's that look like? Okay, we have dogs. They're uh, a little bit of a Karakachan and Merima cross. And we raised a few pups. We sold quite a few pups over the years. I just, I like to raise them just to keep myself stocked in dogs because every once in a while you'll have an accident of some kind. But the dogs, they'll... They'll just stick with the goats, or they, they might even come up to the house. The electric fence doesn't really control them too much. They've got a lot of hair, and if they want to go through, they just go through. But if them goats, once them goats head out of the pasture and they're headed up in the hills or whatever, them dogs can be here at the house, and you'll just see them. Pretty, they'll just head right and go right with them goats. We've got one here, a female that we raised, and, and her her life is her goats. She just she stays with them. The consequently, we're trying to get another one or two like her. We should be having some puppies here in a couple. Now, but yeah, it, without you got you got to have predator control. Talk a little bit about the nutrition that you use. Are you using some kind of mineral? How much of the year is the feed source graze? How much is harvested feed? What does that look like? Okay, during during the summer, you're out on grass and mineral put lick tubs out there for last summer and I built a wooden box to kind of go around the tubs and shoot when they started shedding they were rubbing on them boxes and filling them tubs full of hair and the kid goats were opening in them and so that didn't work for me so we just went back to just grass and mineral and then once we wean I've I've tried several different methods and this year we've got them on lick tubs in the in the corral and then i feed about a quarter pound of whole corn to the kids the weaned kids and about a third of a pound of corn to the nannies and it seems to be working out really really well i'm not a big fan of getting too much corn into them because it tends to make their feet grow and that's one of the reasons i've gone to the spanish situation is i got tired of trimming feet and I got tired of parasites. Parasites in the in the board goat deal was uh, was bad, really bad. And I have very little problem with the Spanish goats. So this time of year, they're getting a little bit of corn for energy. Are then they going out and graze? Or are you providing some hay? What does that look like? No, they're they're in on hay right now. I've got the one the main herd. I've got them down here in the pans and they're on hay, but I've just got the gate open. They can, they can go out in the meadow if they want, but 
they've been pretty much just sticking on the hay. They go out a little bit when it gets nice, but it's when you're getting ready to breed. I take them last year. I just brought them in from the pasture and, and tried to breed them. And I ended up getting a lot of singles first two weeks into kidding season. And then after that, I started getting, you know, twins and multiple births. And I figured that was because I brought them in. And then those ones that kitted later had been on feed for a couple of weeks. So this year, we started feeding them a little corn about three weeks prior to breeding to flush them to hopefully increase our our twin percentage and the, the ones that we've kitted out so far they were they were kept in last spring we bred them in july and they've all had twins where they were getting a little bit of extra care not not real great but a little bit of corn so on your 4-H goats, you're breeding those to be born this time of year, December, January. When do you put the bucks out with the does that are going to be more of your pasture kidding? About, uh, we put them out this year, the 10th of December. And so we'll start kidding about the 10th of May, five, five months. I want, I try to get past the typical Mother's Day snowstorm that we seem to get in Nebraska here a lot. That cold, the cold and wet's not, not real great for them. Talk a little bit about the marketing of those goats. You said you wean them and then have them on a little bit of feed. How long do you keep those goats that you're going to sell? And then also, what's it look like for the does that you're going to keep back and use as replacements? Okay, we this year we took the bulk of our market goats to Colby, Kansas, to a sale barn in December. We took, well, I guess we took some in October and we took some in December. Took the heavier end in October. Basically, I. I'd like to take them all in starting in December, December through April, kind of your best market months during the holidays. Uh, time you don't want to be selling them is in the middle of the summer if you don't have to, but sometimes you have to raise a little cash too. So, but, uh, and our replacements, we will probably, I'm going to try and breed some of those here in May when they're a year old. And see if I can get some fall kids, which a goat is pretty seasonal breeder, and it's it's look to get that done. We're gonna see what happens with the Spanish goats. The market it's, it's a great market. And I figure that I can run five or six for for the every cow. That translates to about a fifteen hundred dollar calf, in, in my my way of thinking. Um, but they they say that two does, the rule of thumb is you can run two does for every cow, not not touch your cow pasture. You mentioned you're doing some crossbreeding with your Spanish boar cross. Do you have a goal in mind there in terms of a percentage of each you're trying to get to, or are you still looking towards figuring that out? I'm I'm kind of figuring that out. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to probably go with like 30 40 percent pure spanish just because you've got to have got to have two pure breeds to make a crossbreed i don't want to get a real mess going and then definitely want to keep in my nanny herd i would like to keep at least five eight spanish although the one crosses that we have now 
are doing a great job. But the, the Spanish goats are just so much more maternal. And then you throw that shot of boar into them for that growth, and, and then it's just, they do really well. We've, the first year we did that, my son wanted a Spanish goat, and we went down to Texas and got a buck, and we brought him back. And, and those kids, they raised, weighed right with our straight boars. And I think they even beat them by a pound or two. And, and price-wise, they do just as well, too. If someone was thinking about getting into goats or trying some goats in the Sand Hills or in Nebraska, what would you encourage them to consider, think through before they took the jump? Well, I would, I would sure start small. I'd, I'd start with 10 goats and see if you're going to like it and then find out how, how you're going I mean, that, that could be pretty frustrating and pretty challenging. Um, we use the high tensile and electricity is definitely your friend. When you're going to get a sensor, don't get, don't go by it says 30 miles and that's good. You want jewels, you want to look at jewels. Our, our electric fence is run by, they've got a speed right charger on it with solar, solar chargers for the batteries. And it's a 12 joule fencer. It'll, it'll make you jump back if you touch it. <laughs> but, and so, yeah, I, I guess I would, I would just start small. And, and a lot of people, I think they get started with, like we did with the 4-H deal. And that's great. But the, that's a labor-intensive route to go. And my kids, one's in college and one, one's got another job. And so I kind of wanted to have, keep the goats going, but I needed something that wasn't as labor-intensive. Talk a little bit about your electric fence. What do you have for your electric fence around your goat pastures? What does that look like? And if you were going to start over and do it again, what would you try to do? Uh, it's some of it is the five wire high tensile. Some of it's six. When we first, I first put it up, I went with six because I was thinking I had to have that top wire high enough for cows. Well, it, it could actually be lower. I, I started cross fencing for cows too with electric fence, and I'm you know I found out that it doesn't need to be that high. But and when we started out, we kind of started out with just high charters and whatnot. So I mean, just go with I would recommend the absolute best that you can possibly afford but that and that's a tough call until you know that this is what you want to do also and you don't want to get all that stuff top of the line and then decide a year later that you don't want to do this yeah what equipment have you had to purchase to work the goats and what's that amounted to we've we've got fence line feeders so that we don't have to walk in a goat pen to feed them they will, I mean, they will flat mow you over. They'll sell their soul for a little bit of feed. Um, we bought a, a tub system for goats and a, a chute with a head catch on it. But that's not totally necessary. I mean, if you're 50 goats or under, you can just grab them by hand and do whatever you need to do to them. But, but if you got 50 goats or better in a group, I would highly recommend fence line feeders. Or, or at least a way to, to shut the goats away from where you're going to feed them and put their feed out and then let them in. Anything else you'd like to share or you think would be valuable for people who might be considering adding goats to a cattle operation? 
Well, I would go to buy goats, um, and get some that are raised in a situation similar to what yours are. We, it's probably the biggest wreck I've had. Decided I wanted to get more of the Spanish goats. And of course, typically they're all further south. And we went down the end of November, got some that came out of Southern Missouri. Well, that was, that was a hard adjustment on them goats. We lost quite a few and didn't gain. So we ended up dumping them for pennies on the dollar. Um, if you're going to bring them from the south, the person I think really needs to get them in the spring, early early to late spring when the weather starts to clear up so that they have all summer to get acclimated. You know, the first Spanish buck that we brought up, we kind of that time of year, early summer. And he, we never ever did have an issue with him. They, they get they get haired up good and they're just fine. But uh, that would be one of the big issues, I would say. Well, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for sharing your experience and what you've learned. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. I've, we've got a couple of Facebook pages. We've got windmill goats and windmill Spanish goats. If anybody wants to follow what we do, they might be able to figure out what they shouldn't do by watching that or whatever. But for more information on the topic we discussed today, I would point you to the website that Harold Johnson mentioned. And Again, they've got a Facebook page. You can follow them or contact them. Again, Harold Johnson is located at Hyannis, southeast of Hyannis, Nebraska there, and would be a good resource if you're considering getting into goats and adding it as a complement to a cattle operation.